BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Sunday night edition of the Dunk Time Basketball Podcast, and we have much to discuss because an enormous blockbuster trade at the top of the NBA draft. Paul George has officially indicated to the Pacers that he is not planning on staying after his contract expires in the summer of 2018. And this is no better time than to discuss the overall offseason of the Philadelphia 76ers now that we know who they're going to be taking number one in the draft, Markel Fultz, sponsored today by Movement Watches, mvmtwatches.com slash capspace is a URL to get 50 15% off today with free shipping and free returns. And Harry's, Harry's is so confident you will love their blades. They're giving you their trial set for free if you just cover $3 of shipping. Harry's.com slash Capspace is the URL there. All right, who won this trade? I don't like thinking about trades that way. And I think this is a good example <laughs> of why. And uh, Ken Pelton's piece on this was, was a good kind of explanation for it. And it's the idea of looking at the same set of players in two different ways. Because there was no one at three that made a lot of sense for the Sixers. Yes. And so moving from from three to one is a greater positive for them than it might be for Boston. Obviously, we also don't know if Boston's going to keep that pick. There's a million things that could go on with that between now and Thursday, but that jump was more significant to them than it was to Boston. Fultz is just a, a fascinating fit, and when you look into the future, not only just at point guard, but just at the guard spots, there aren't that many guys that I've seen coming up that are good on ball and off ball who can kind of fill the role that they intend for Markel Fultz. I don't expect Markel Fultz to be a 41% three-point shooter right away, especially with his free throw oh, shooting no. difficulties. But I think he has that potential eventually. And with to find a college prospect as young as he is to be that dynamic and also someone who can come off screens and shoot eventually, someone who is going to be able to attack and is not going to kill you without the ball in their hands, I think that that's huge. And obviously the core now, Ben Simmons, Markel Fultz, Joel Embiid, two of them with injury concerns, of course, which is not great but you got to hope that those guys are going to turn out and perhaps another part of the calculation here too we should well let's restate actually the terms of the trade it was uh three for one and then also the 2018 lakers pick that philadelphia owns or owned unprotected that now due to a change in league rules as of july 2016 if you own a pick completely unprotected from another team you may now protect that yourself if there's any protection on it already you cannot add additional protection so that was a clarification the league issued this is the first pick that has been traded in that manner so that is protected everything except two through five it does not go so if it is two through five 
Boston gets it next year. Philly did not want to give up the potentially the number one pick, but Boston is protected on the back end because if the Lakers are too good and it doesn't go into the top five, and then if it does not go next year, if it falls outside the two through five range, then they get the 2019 unprotected pick from the Sacramento Kings. And that also will be unprotected. We haven't heard any news of there being protection on that as well. And that makes sense because Boston needs to get something, you know, because if, if it's not that pick, then there's no really equivalent asset if they're going to protect it two years in a row. So Boston gets that one unprotected. That's the, the terms of the deal. But so what this is doing is for Philly, you're giving yourself less bites at the apple, but you're also giving yourself bigger bites. But a lot of that assumes then that Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons, who remember the latter of whom has not played a single game in the NBA yet, that that is your core, that those guys are going to be who you're going to build around. It seems unlikely that they could get a superstar in free agency. You might get some role guys to fit in around that core. And we'll talk about that later in the show, but they're basically kind of all in on this now. And given some of the injury concerns, also just that Simmons is kind of a unique player is his, his defense, his shooting. Like, are those going to be impediments for him? We don't know, have really an inkling to the answers to those questions yet, but it sure is a shitload of talent. Yeah. I mean, it's one of the best top threes we've seen in a while of purely young guys. And I mean, they are to a large degree unproven. The three of them have played a combined 31 NBA games. So you have a lot there to to parse. The dynamic that I think the Sixers are kind of going towards, and I'm not comparing these guys as as players, like I'm not saying they're going to be X is going to be as good as Y, is the dynamic that LeBron and Kyrie have, where LeBron is ball dominant, shooting didn't really come around until this year. And then you play a guy around him who can be really good with the ball in his hands, but can also function in that way. And those teams are rare. Those combinations are rare, but there is now some sort of a precedent. And then you're right, they have fewer bites. And But the other part of that is if it takes a little bit longer than expected, remember that Philadelphia has all their own picks. So if it doesn't work out immediately, they will get another bite at the apple next year. It's just that they won't get as many as they had before because those Sixers and Kings picks were ridiculous. Right. And they're only giving up one of those two worst case Correct. scenario. So those picks were ridiculous, as you said. And then they have this treasure trove of second rounders as well. They still got Furkan Korkmaz. I mean, they got some other young talent on the team as well. I think, you know, TLC showed some signs last year, for example. So they've got definitely other young assets and they've got up to 50 million in cap space this summer as well. Again, it's a very fascinating offseason for them. I, I see this in two ways. If you just say, you know, we are trading one for three and a 50% chance at two through five, and then, hey, that Kings pick, I mean, hard to imagine that's not in the top 10 the year after, and that pick has some upside to, again, be, be number one. You know, KP wrote a piece basically updating the trade value chart for the, the NBA based on historically what each spot has produced. But Boston won it. it. If you just look at it from a pure value standpoint, this is the average that these picks are likely to produce over the course of a career. I think Boston won this trade. But when you get into specifically who these players are, and especially as we said with Philly, the fit, I'm not sure, sir, that, that Boston did run it. I think... I, 
I think I like it better for Philly right now. Uh, but I obviously think more of Markel Fultz than the Boston Celtics do. I think this trade is riskier for Boston than most people do. And the reason why is because their whole thing is like, that we've kind of said is the lack of true superstar MVP caliber talent. The number one pick in this year's draft was a special shot at that. Not saying Markel Fultz is like the best number one prospect ever or anything crazy like that. But the other elements of it are uncertain. You know, the Nets, I think the Nets, if they're healthy, they'll be better next year. They have no incentive really. They have, they don't have much of an incentive to push on the gas, but they have no incentive to push on the break. And, you know, the number three yeah, pick and of course isn't, Boston, isn't there. Boston owns their pick next year. So, Correct. Yeah. Unprotected. And there's no swap or anything. It's just straight. They have yeah. the Nets pick. And yeah, there's a certainly a possibility that the Lakers, you know, that the Lakers eat it next year or that the Kings do in 2019. But also remember that the worst record only gives you a 25% chance of the number one pick. So they, they took a bird in the hand and gave themselves one and a half, two in the bush. And that is, you know, that's a worthwhile gamble, but it's very different for a team that just, that needs that guy that really, that the one in the, but, but you can, then you can turn back to, well, Danny Ainge saw this draft differently. He very well might have. And we also don't know which of these picks are going in, but something I was thinking about yesterday when all these things were running through my head is I, I think this is now becoming a worse time to go full bore for the present. I mean, we saw how good the Warriors are. Cleveland is still, you know, they're a couple years in. So if they're throwing resources, whether that's at Jimmy Butler or at Paul George, if they're throwing assets at, you know, they're going to try to sign Gordon Hayward or Blake Griffin, that team is going to be better in 2018, 2017-18 than they are moving forward in all likelihood. And that's a gamble too, because you're betting that your team's going to, you're, you're peaking at a very challenging time. And that's not to say it's going to fail because there are a lot of things we don't know, but they, they lost a big piece of flexibility here. It is very possible that they never, with all these picks they have, I mean, remember they've got Brooklyn, they've now got this Lakers or Kings pick. Uh, they've got this Memphis pick that in 2019 that goes down to eight eight six and then unprotected by 2021. They got a Clippers lottery protected pick for 2019. It is very possible that they never get a chance to draft someone with the natural talent of Markel Fultz. Now, I mean, it seems very clear to me that they just don't think that about him and it seems very likely that it's going to be Josh Jackson or it's going to be Jason Tatum at three if they do take him and hold on to it indications are that they are going to hold on to it for now but of course that can change and I think neither of those guys is really that good. Like, I don't think of either of those guys as like really worth the number three pick. In general, I think I'm not nearly as high on this draft as a lot of other people seem to be. And, uh, you know, some of the analytics as well, Kevin Pelton translations seem to back that, that up as well. But so I, I think, and then for Philly, getting back to the point that you made earlier, another reason I like this trade for them is that with Josh Jackson, I don't think Tatum is going to be that good. Josh Jackson, even, you know, I think like, like it made a little more sense just in the the idea of like having a guy who can just contribute in a lot of areas but his lack of shooting wasn't going to work with Ben Simmons and I think Simmons is better than Josh Jackson is going to be so that number three pick almost like was kind of sitting there and like not really doing you any good almost you know I think maybe that's kind of how they saw it and you're okay trading that chip in to go get someone who is a perfect fit when you I mean you've got Embiid and Simmons those are not the easiest guys in the world to build around because you need someone else who can do something off the dribble but you also need someone who can shoot uh hopefully someone without any health concerns just seems to be the case for Fultz so I, I think I, I 
like it for Philly. We'll see how good Fultz ends up being. If he's not that good, I mean that that's basically what it boils down to. If Fultz is the type of player that you would normally expect to get with the number one pick, they win this trade. If he's not, they probably lose this trade. I'm so excited for Utah Summer League now. I mean, it's the idea of. Um, I mean, Fultz was going to be there either way, but uh, yeah, but I mean, I think like, the but... I think the first game is Sixers Celtics. So oh, I mean, because because basically what what this what the Celtics said is we we know Markel Fultz. We don't think he's the guy, and I, I don't necessarily. There's been some reporting about oh the the Celtics have so much faith in their backcourt that's why they're not doing it. First of all, that can't. I hope that's not the rationale because you 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 choose based on who I can be a special talent. I don't think it is either. I, I mean, I but, think it could be ant- like an ancillary thought, but no, I, I'm not sh- so sure about that. But yeah, I mean, like Marcus Smart, Avery Bradley, like I mean, those guys are unlikely. I think to be on the team, and maybe you could even say that about Isaiah Thomas as well, are unlikely to be on the team three years from now when you know whoever that you're drafting in this draft is really going to be like starting to become a premium player you hope right and i i think that's an important part of this and the idea of you know taking taking a high guy but they can feel they can feel differently and we a lot of times i i struggle with trying to impart my judgment and saying like i think i think danny Ainge is reading this draft wrong and i i do think that but that doesn't mean i'm right and he's wrong we're gonna have to wait years to figure that out so you just say well my expectation is that this is not gonna work out that part of it isn't gonna work out as well for them and so you think then you think about kind of the where this pick where that second pick is going to end up and once it was reported that there was protection on it then it was sitting around saying what's going to happen so the lakers my expectation before all this because i'd been thinking about it for the sixers before was that they were going to end up somewhere around five the fifth worst record you know they don't have to put they're not going to push towards the bottom at the end they're still going to be working this out they're not prioritizing winning right away so they could be in that range but of course if you're at five it's more likely i think that you're going to fall back to six or later than that you're going to go up so that picks a real coin flip and then with the kings i think they're going to be bad at that point but you know they could spend they could do a lot of other stuff so there's definitely uncertainty there i don't think they're going to be as bereft as the nets were this past year partially due to injury so those are certainly very very good assets I'm, i'm not discounting them in any way shape or form but the chances of them getting that special talent and that special talent even existing in that draft because i don't know i don't know the 2019 class at all yet at this point really i've seen a couple of the guys in stuff but like i don't know if the if that person's going to be available and the guys that are there in 2018 you know like michael porter seems pretty awesome we saw him i haven't seen much of luka Doncic, but we'll, we'll have to take a look at it so i don't know how great that is for the celtics who are supposed to be this you know coming behemoth of a team all right we got a ton more to get to on this trade on philly paul george bucks gm but first this from harry's for decades one big razor company has relentlessly increased prices and they've reaped immense profits at the expense of its customers you know that company the one where you go to the drugstore and the drugstore employee has to break out like the nuclear football just to open up the cabinet where these incredibly valuable razors are are stored jeff and andy were two guys who were fed up with getting ripped off and they started harry's to fix shaving they actually bought their own blade factory in germany they take less profit and they sell directly to you over the internet. So it's now half the price, $2 a blade compared to the $4 or more that you'll pay at the drugstore. And I happen to love their blades. There's one sitting on my counter right now. It comes with a nice little chrome stand. You're a big fan of their shave gel, of course. I am. I'm going to need to figure out to use it. I haven't shaved in like almost a week. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, you're now that you don't have to be out in public at, at the games. You're yeah. Now uh, you're that we're not doing it, the tw- now that we're not doing the Twitter go. NBA show for a while. It's 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 the one chance to get into the wilderness before summer league. Yeah. Well, uh, once you do experience what would normally be the agony of trying to shave your week old beard, Harry's and their blades and shave gel will make that a very easy process for you. Here's how to get started with them. Go to Harry's.com/capspace. You can get a free trial set, including a razor handle, five-blade cartridge, and that vaunted shave gel. That is a $13 value for free. All you got to do is cover the shipping for three bucks. Once again, harrys.com slash capspace is the way to get started with them. So a little bit more on this trade. Michael Eaves, of all people of ESPN, tweeted that the team felt he wasn't the best prospect after their workout with him. Uh, he wasn't as explosive as they had expected and hoped. And that's actually not a huge surprise to me, is it not? Not that explosive uh you know again there's a danger of uh, how does he look in a workout uh but whatever the reason they just didn't think that that false was going to be that good and it seems like you know they value josh jackson or whomever else they're going to pick at three uh, as highly as faults and if that's your evaluation i mean you have to trust your scouting then picking up an asset to get someone who's the same quality seems like a no-brainer i think the one thing i might have asked for in this trade that they didn't get was uh swap rights with the sixers own pick the next two years not for the boston pick but just so that they would get the better of the lakers or sixers pick if one of them was in the top five and same thing then swap rights with the sixers and kings pick in 2019 if it got pushed back to 2019 i think that would have been something that was fair to ask for to just for that expectation of that you're getting a high pick you just make that a little bit more certain i I think that's something that they could have gotten that they didn't but i mean you never know what the the tenor of the negotiations is but it would have been nice to get that um maybe they maybe they could have asked for like rashawn holmes as well because he actually i think rashawn holmes would actually really help them um yeah i do too but he also will really help the the sixers if they well, can, and, uh, and Julia Okafor had been a rumored Celtics trade target for a while too. Yeah, but he was too expensive though. Is the only problem. Yeah, like Holmes is making the minimum, so he wouldn't have impacted. The other thing, which my understanding is, this wasn't part of the motivation, but this does make it easier for them now to fit in a max contract. If you take a look at it, the expectation is that their two draft picks from last year. uh Gershon Yabasele, the number 16 pick, and uh, Zizic, Ante Zizic, the number 23 pick. Both of those guys are, are big guys are going to come over. In fact, Yabusele already played some for the main red clause in the D-League. Right now, with the downgrade from about $7 million to $5.6 million in the cap hold for from the number one to the number three pick, they're sitting on about $28.5 million in room. And of course, the max would be 30.4, I'm sorry, 30.3 with $101 million cap. But if they were able to move on from Yabusele and Zizic, they can get there or just not have those guys come over, the, especially Zizic, I think they actually need. Or they would have to then move on from Terry Rozier, who's making $1.9 million. And then after that, you get into really all their main guys. I mean, it's they would have to move Marcus Smart potentially, or maybe Hayward will take a few million, a few hundred thousand less than the max or something. So they're not quite there yet. They also, if they could trade Demetrius Jackson, they could. My projections have them waving and stretching him. He's he's guaranteed about six hundred thousand this year. But if they could just trade him away, that would help open up a little bit more space as well. So they're not out of the woods yet, but it's an easier job now that they're at three than 
there at one but you'd have to imagine if they're going to offer the full max to hayward it's probably going to be terry rosier who they're going to have to move on from unless uh they trade away marcus smart a piece of their vaunted guard rotation (laughs) here's another interesting angle to this philadelphia had been considered the most logical suitor that was going to give kyle lowry or perhaps some other point guard the money that they're looking for lowry a max contract which would have started at 35 million for over four years been 152 million over four years that ain't happening now with Fultz in the fold so where is kyle lowry's leverage with toronto at this point I, you know i don't see it that logical of a suitor anymore yeah i mean it, it really does take functionally take that money off the board for a point guard and i mean he still has leverage just because they can't replace him but i don't see a team like i mean there, there are teams like Orlando that would be interested in him but they don't have the money yeah i mean they're only at about 15 million and they would have to move a, a sizable contract to, to get off of that i mean so you start looking i mean brooklyn they already got jeremy lynn it doesn't seem like they would want to lock into kyle lowry phoenix already has eric bledsoe sacramento could be one if they just decide hey you know they could just be used as the sacramento leverages uh but there really are not the knicks minnesota maybe could be one so maybe maybe there would be still something out there Uh, miami probably not i don't think denver would i don't think denver would be there no no i mean they got jamal murray they got moody already They, they and they have other needs as well uh dallas can't put together the scratch most likely so and then i mean there's a ripple effect there and there's also one for george hill like where is george hill gonna get the money to surpass that offer that he got from utah last year 80 million in guaranteed money like i don't see where that is well and while i'm not sure that the their front office will see this the way that i do i advocated today that the pacers should basically pull themselves out of the jeff teague running because he's just if giving him a lot of money considering what it looks like is going to happen there and if you throw him into this market too then you not only get into a demand issue you get into a supply issue yeah and maybe chicago maybe chicago now thinks differently about their offseason right like they've got with some maybe superior options available now of course chicago eternally wants to maintain flexibility for some future year which may many criticize them for that future year never actually coming to fruition but they're basically right at the cap with the cap holds for for Miritich. If they were to move on from Rondo and stretch him, they still this still assumes that Wade opts in. But maybe they could do better than Rondo with you know seventeen million in space or, or so this year if they move on from him. I mean, so that that could be another potential suitor. Drew Holiday, another guy who you have to wonder where exactly he's going to go. I mean, you have to imagine like Brooklyn could be in it, Minnesota could be in it. I mean, and it does seem that Tom Thibodeau thinks that their biggest problem is not having a point guard, which I, I totally disagree with. But uh, yeah, it, it could get very interesting. I mean, then, you know, what team is going to draft uh, De'Aaron Fox? Or that is that going to take that team out of the market now? That, that could very easily be Sacramento. Uh, what if Dallas drafts Dennis, Dennis Smith, Smith or, or Frank Nilakina? That, that could take them out of it, although those guys might be perceived as being a little further away, especially, and you might want more of a stopgap. But again, that's more of a stopgap. You know, if you're 31 year old George hill is it going to be a two-year deal now for him utah if if hill leaves will need someone but they will not really have the space to offer a ton unless they do they try and make a trade now for someone like Bledsoe, who, who's already under contract maybe utah could get involved in a sign and trade with one of these teams uh and, and i do think that with hill not taking that extension it seems likely he's going to leave like they got to do something to placate hayward because if you want to even pretend that you have as good of a chance of winning 
winning as Boston or even Miami, if who is gaining increasing traction, as Woj would say in the uh, the Gordon Hayward sweepstakes. You got to get something beforehand, but also also if you're Utah and Hayward's going to leave, you don't want to give up a bunch of assets and get locked in, and now he's going to go. So and he's never going to say, oh yeah, I'll stick around for sure if you just do this deal. So is it, they're in a very difficult situation right now. One benefit for Utah is that I would assume they would be going at somebody who is already under contract and those deals are less onerous. So like if they got Eric Bledsoe, the issue would be the assets they give up. He would still right. be a productive part that wouldn't be a bad contract. So those that sort of thing works out. One other thing I wanted to bring up for the Sixers, and then we can move on to the other news unless you have more you want to talk about, is that this also allows them to concentrate more of their resources on a narrower set of, of attributes and, and things. And so yeah. that you could think of that as cap space. You could think of that as their outstanding draft picks for their own firsts and everything really what they want is they want a two guard and something i wanted to to float by you is offensively you know that can be a lot of different things but defensively there are kind of two archetypes that i've been thinking about one is you can think of as avery bradley so a guy who is a good guard defender can guard ones can guard twos more of a man-to-man guy and that would be good with markel fultz because then you could put that guy on the better player and then fultz can be on the worst player the other way to do it would be to try to find somebody who's actually more of a wing who then can you can go maybe two through four with Covington, Simmons, and this person and go through it that way. In the abstract, do you have a preference between those two? Probably the wing, because I think you're more likely to find shooting. I don't know, other than Avery Bradley, there aren't, and KCP. Those are really the two guys. I mean, actually, let's just save this conversation for the... Uh, the Sixers offseason probably we'll finish sure. up with the news first because the, I, I want to get into a lot of that I've got got some ideas there a couple small things here Monte Ellis and Reggie Bullock both suspended five games that means marijuana usage and it means they have failed like I think at least three tests each Ellis it shouldn't affect much he's under contract with the Pacers for next season Maybe it makes them more likely to waive him before uh, that player option kicks in for the fourth year of that awful contract. And then Reggie Bullock, as a restricted free agent, I could very easily see him not getting a qualifying offer from the Pistons. And this is something that maybe could affect his market value. And again, he's been many a time seems like the guy who could actually fit into being a three and D player. But for my money, those guys are just the hardest to evaluate. You never know whether when and whose three point shooting is going to come around. Is someone going to develop defensively? Bullock kind of never has. He's had injuries every time he gets his chance. And now he's shooting himself in the foot again with this uh, suspension. Let's talk about the Milwaukee Bucks situation. John Horst, 34 years old, does some of their, their cap stuff. But I mean, I'd never heard of the guy before this. Had you? I had not. So that made not a that and everything else made this surprising because when a, a search is down to finalists and two of the finalists basically disappear, you don't expect it to be somebody else winning. Well, it seems like the reporting has indicated that everybody except Wes Edens wanted Justin Zanuck and Wes Edens wouldn't sign off on it. So they had to get somebody else. And while this ownership group hasn't been around that long with the Bucks, I mean, how many like weird fits and starts have there been, right? Like first it was John Hammond. Then they brought in Jason Kidd, and for a time it seemed like Jason Kidd all of a sudden had personnel power. He reportedly was the driving force behind the trade for Michael Carter-Williams. Jeff Schwartz (laughs) seemed like he was running the team for a time. And it's so many of these teams, like Phoenix is another example of this, although I'm not sure it's due to a fractious ownership group there, where 
where they just they take a few steps and make some really good moves and then they make some really weird moves that don't make any sense and because there apparently is infighting in this ownership group they just can't pick a direction they can't follow a coherent plan justin zanuck was brought in with the idea that in two years john hammond would retire or move on or get shunted off to some other area of the organization and that then zanuck would take over that was the whole point of bringing him in what i had heard was that his contract was going to start paying him at like a gm level after a year or so or after two years around that time and so then john hammond's like well you know i'm about to get phased out here i might as well move on and go be the gm under jeff weltman president of basketball operations in orlando and then it was like oh you know let's see if we can do a little bit better than justin zanuck maybe our job looks better i understand doing that interview some people see if you can get a big fish but uh, big fish weren't going to want to come there when they weren't offering a ton of power and there are all these voices in the room they couldn't all get on the same page and they weren't going to offer a ton of money carnish sovis withdrew wes wilcox i never felt was that serious of a candidate frankly so all right why isn't it zanuck we we speculated okay maybe they'll leave him in an interim status and see if they can get david griffin and then if they can't they would just give it to him everyone wanted to do that everything that i'd heard about his performance within the organization had been exemplary Oh, but Wes Edens didn't want him. So now they have someone who's been working under Justin Zanuck uh, for this time period. And oh, by the way, the draft's in four days. Yeah, I mean, it's it's just wild. And hopefully it works out. The Bucks are a franchise that you and I have both been excited about their, their young talent, but they aren't all the way there. And they're going to need to hit a couple of these moments and also have good, not only good leadership, but have a clear eye from, from ownership of how much they're willing to spend because Jabari Parker's extension eligible, whether, whether he gets that or not, he's still going to get a raise after this coming season. Then you have just figuring out all their expensive kind of like center contracts and everything like that. And so you need to have have steady leadership you need to have a good line of communication with ownership and you need to actually make good draft picks yeah which they largely have done of course with brogdon and, and thon maker the latest example there so we'll see maybe horse will, will do a great job but and this isn't necessarily even an indictment of him i don't know anything about him yay or nay it's just that when the ownership situation is screwed up it always leads to problems because it's just who happens to have the power that day which one of these rich dudes decided he was going to pay more attention and get it more involved this year and those guys start to dislike each other i mean remember what happened in atlanta for example with that that whole situation with the the owners suing each other it just it's not good (laughs) and and as much as for example people might want to criticize the structure with like vivek ranadive he doesn't own that much of the team but he is the one guy he is their representative on the board of governors he is their owner yeah he kind of messes things up a lot but at least it's one guy you know so when you've got three people then it becomes even more difficult yeah yeah i mean that's that's gonna be a challenge and deal with the way that they've been handling it and i think we could transition into a front office that has had trouble processing reality now for a little while the indiana pacers finally got as clear a message as they will ever get from paul george that thank you for your time but i'm not going to be back after this coming season yeah according to Woj, george indicated he had not asked for trade but indicated that he would be leaving after the 2018 offseason at which point he has a player option for that following season as you'll recall he did not qualify for the designated veteran extension and he that means that the Pacers cannot offer him any kind of market value extension now they would be able to still offer him a five-year deal next year they also could hope that he made all NBA next season and offer him 
way more money than maybe the Lakers could. But with him specifically saying, I'm not coming back, it sure would take a lot to change his mind. And there doesn't seem to be a path to contention. And so it sounds like, at least early on, the Lakers, according to Ramona Shelburne, not really that interested in surrendering anything for a player they can get in free agency next year. Now, if Paul George says to them, hey, I want to be there now, give something up, then maybe that could change. Or, but I think he's learned from the lesson of Carmelo Anthony that you don't want the team you're going to to give up all their assets. Or there's also the possibility of George being traded away for a pure rental. We discussed some of those possibilities extensively in the Cleveland offseason, talking about maybe trading Kevin Love. But now with the idea that George is for sure going to go to the Lakers. Maybe you can say, you know, if we trade for him now as Cleveland, there's a 25% chance we could get him to stick around. And maybe there's also, if he plays on Cleveland, there's probably a better chance he makes All-NBA. But it doesn't matter now because once he gets traded, he's ineligible for the designated veteran extension. Where do you see George's value now if you're just pretty darn sure you're only getting him for a year? I would not, and this includes the Lakers, I would not give up a high lottery pick for him for a one-year deal. I think Paul George is a wonderful player. I'm a big fan of him. I think he'll be 28 next season. So it's he, he's close to peak of his powers, all of that. But you have to treat it as a rental. And you're also going to have to give up salary. There's basically no team, even the Celtics, because the way the Celtics would do it, they would have to give salary back. That is is going to just take him into space. Then you're probably giving up. You're, either, you're probably not going to give a bad salary because the Pacers aren't going to want that. So I'm leaning more towards something in the 10 to 15 range, maybe something around there for him, because you do still do have the possibility of resigning him. It's not a fait accompli that he's gone, depending on your team. But you have to say, that's unlikely you're not pricing that in very much when you're acquiring him maybe for the Cavs or Boston 20 25 percent George by the way just turned 27 in May so okay uh, this this is his age 27 season probably will be the best season of his career coming up here I think what did Denver give up for Andre Iguodala I think Aaron Aflalo was in that trade he was already on like a $10 million a year contract he was actually considered to be pretty good at that point people who thought that were probably wrong but Andre at the time was 28. He had one year left on his contract. He would eventually leave Denver, of course. He's not as good of a player as Paul George. Al Harrington was sent to the Magic. He was a bad contract at the time. And I think Denver sent in a second or a first round pick as well. Yeah, a protected first round pick from the Nuggets. Yeah, the pick that eventually became Dario Saric, I believe. Remember, they they flipped that with the Magic eventually, too. So, yeah, maybe it was that. Yeah, I think uh, they I think it was their pick that went to the Magic and then the Magic sent it to the Sixers who were involved in the same trade because that trade was evil. Now, Denver probably thought they had a decent chance of re-signing Andre. There, there was no declaration that yeah for sure i'm going to the lakers so i think that type of value is probably pretty close to right if you were boston would you give up the memphis pick 2019 eight six and then unprotected over three years starting in 2019 i think that's pretty close because i i think you take the the nets pick and then the pick they just acquired from the Fultz trade i think you take those picks off the board memphis that 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 could be about right and they yeah. would be your other problem good. though your other problem though is that if you're boston now you have to match salary in that trade and all they have is good salary uh so 
Right, that and you probably can't consummate that trade on draft night because unless you're giving up more salary than you're taking in, that impacts your ability to sign Gordon Hayward or something. Because they like, let's say they included Tyler Zeller, then then you're actually losing space because the assumption was that you were going to dump him anyway. Right, exactly. So I think we can get, we'll have another time to do like all these potential fake Paul George trades. But I think probably and, and you know obviously Cleveland. I don't know if you want to do Kevin Love. I mean you're basically you got two years of Love versus one year of George. But there's a possibility LeBron leaves too. Uh, so I might might still do that if I if I were Cle- Cleveland. But then the Pacers are probably going to be in like ultra rebuilding mode. So you got to get a third team involved. You know whether it's Boston. I could San Antonio. Is there any way they could put together enough ammo? Probably not. Maybe Dejounte Murray and a couple future first rounders because it's going to be down at the at the bottom of the round. I mean, if San Antonio got Paul George. That would be pretty nasty. <laughs> uh, but that doesn't seem like a Spurs type of move. Anyway, all right, we're probably digressing a, a I little like, bit. I like I like that here. you're the one going down the fake trade rabbit hole when it's not me. I'm excited about that. Well, I mean, this is just it's really. I I think I like the fact that it's a one-year rental because it opens up so many more teams now because it's just the price is going to be so much lower right and and that actually could lower it enough that the lakers get involved like i think they should take their own pick this year that should be far off the board and also worth noting that paul george's agent aaron mintz is also the agent for both d'angelo russell and julius randall julius randall being one of the guys that i would probably put in a paul george trade if i were to make it now with the lakers oh yeah for me i would if all it took were randall to get paul george well see here's the thing we talked about this for the Lakers I almost don't want him this year because he could just decide that it sucks and want to leave <laughs> like the same thing that happens to White Howard like they're not going to be good even if he goes there this year yeah right uh, to me and, if you do it it has to be a really small return like something that you weren't sad was going to leave would leave anyway like maybe I mean that... I, I would do Randall I think I would do yeah Randall. like Randall like he's, and he's... that the Rockets pick something like that well I think the other framework for a deal here from Indiana is yeah we'll give you Paul George and let's bump up the assets more because we're going to take back some bad salary from you as well and obviously the lakers have plenty of bad salary to send back uh that wouldn't really help with the celtics might help with the Cavs a little bit uh if they wanted to go that direction yeah shumper channing fry who's not bad i mean i don't think either of those guys are awful salary uh or you know i mean it could even be like maybe a team like the nuggets could get involved like what about like emmanuel moutier uh as the centerpiece of a potential deal you know and then the pacers are just going to tank this year uh uh, and, and Thaddeus Young now could be on the table for them as well. I mean, really anyone other than Miles Turner. Well, and the other part I mentioned this earlier is Jeff Teague should basically be out of their plans if they're because if they're going to be going long term, he's too he's too old. So I would say, you know, if he wants to take a discount, he's an Indianapolis kid. If you can get him at a price that you're happy with, that he's a net asset, then you can re- reconsider it. But you can't plan on him being a part of a competitive team in the next two years because you're not going to have one. Well, and he's just going to make you good now. Why would you want that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so and so then that's what we were talking about a little bit earlier is if Jeff Teague is basically just thrown onto the free agent market, unlike the assumption with Drew Holiday, Kyle Lowry, Chris Paul and Steph Curry, where all those guys are probably just the most likely outcome is that they go back to their current teams. That totally screws with the market because then it it changes the musical chairs and the, there's less urgency from the team's perspective and there's more urgency from the player's perspective because if you're the one left out without an offer, you're screwed. Yeah, I really think Chicago 
Chicago could benefit from this. They just have to decide on Rondo by June 30th. That that's their problem there. I mean, they could always just try to trade him somewhere. Yeah, they could. They could well, trade him but... because that that 13 million. As much as you and I don't love Rondo, that's not a terrible contract for him. So they could also use that as kind of a a fallback. Where, but again, this really relies on Wade. And then I guess this is the last point I want to make as we're going through all this stuff is if they're going to trade Jimmy Butler, doing so or at least announcing it before Dwayne Wade makes his option decision opens up Chicago's summer a lot. Because if you could try to troll him out of picking up that option, then you start to get some real real money to spend. Yeah, although I think for Chicago, if they could get a real point guard in this team and then like re-sign Miritich, like maybe they're not so bad. It probably, you know, could get to start thinking about being like a fifth or a four seed potentially you're talking if they it kept john jimmy butler too yeah they keep jimmy butler they move on from rondo you get like a you know drew holiday or i mean even teague or someone uh, george hill someone like that they would have to take on money through 2018 to do that most likely but like that could be a pretty solid team i mean remember rondo yeah he was good for a couple of games in the playoffs but he sucked most of the year and he obviously kills their spacing and doesn't try on defense most of the time like you could just get someone who could shoot the ball and play some good defense like you might be right back in business is talking about and, and like if being a top five seed and that's and if you're that good i don't mind not trading jimmy butler at that point you know if you're going to be an eight seed or you're going to be like on the cusp of the playoffs yeah you should probably move on from him but to have a couple of years where you're like a solid playoff team like that makes sense to keep him around yeah i like drew holiday there a lot all right we will get to philadelphia's off season right after this from our friends at movement watches mvmtwatches.com movementwatches.com slash cap space is the url to get 15 percent off this is a great way actually for international listeners to support the pod because they ship to over 160 countries and they've sold over 500,000 watches so far I actually now own two of them. The gunmetal sandstone is a, a favorite of mine. And my mom bought one. My girlfriend has one as well. My mom actually bought a couple for my cousins, her nieces, and they look great. And the price point is just so much lower than what you're going to get at a traditional bricks and mortar store. They start at just $95 and less than that with your 15% off using that slash cap space URL. I never used to wear a watch because I thought they're just too expensive and extravagant and I didn't need that in a timepiece to spend four or five hundred bucks but now this price point for a great watch is just so much lower just go check it out at that mvmtwatches.com movementwatches.com slash cap space url and just look at the the watches they have available i think you'll really be impressed at the style and quality that they have movement watches mvmtwatches.com movementwatches.com slash cap space join the movement Let's get to Philly's offseason now with Markel Fultz in the fold. Looks a lot different. They no longer need a point guard. They presumably are going to play him there. Quickly, their cap situation, almost no major free agents, just Tiago Splitter, Sergio Rodriguez, and then Alex Poitras, who they signed right at the very end of the year. They are at $41 million, including Gerald Henderson, who has a non-guaranteed $9 million next year. They have to decide by June 30th as to whether they will guarantee that or not. And of course, that goes up to $50 million in space without him. That is second among all teams in cap space behind the Sacramento leverages. So the question now, what do these guys need? It's wild because not only is the point guard thing off the board, but you think about how loaded their front court rotation is now, and they could also thin this out a little bit, but you have Simmons. 
Simmons, Covington, and and Embiid likely the starters at those at the three four front court positions. But then they also have Rashawn Holmes and Jaleel Okafor at center. They have Dario Saric, and then they have guys like Justin Anderson on the roster as well. So the biggest clear need in in the only need in the starting five, assuming Fultz and everyone else go up to their standards, is somebody who at least nominally is a shooting guard. I would say that the key aspects for it is somebody who can run the floor and hit open shots. Ideally, they can defend too. And we talked a little bit earlier about what they should be able to do defensively. And I would love for it to be a guy who fit in with their timeline, but they can go in a couple different directions. And they also don't need to use a single thing like cap space or a pick. They can take multiple bites at this apple and see what works. Yeah. And they have TLC who flashed a little bit last year, but is not ready to start on what I think they're hoping might even be a playoff team this season. And they got to get shooting. Covington has waxed and waned throughout his career, really struggled early in the season, came on late, but you know, is more of kind of a 35% type of guy, you know, can't leave him wide open, but isn't like bending your defense towards him. So they've been linked to J.J. Redick. That makes a lot of sense to me. But I also think that only makes sense on a two-year deal. And here's why. This applies to basically everyone else as well. 2019 is the last offseason before Ben Simmons' new deal might kick in. Joel Embiid, I'm going to assume that he's just going to get the max next year. He'll, he'll be extension eligible, but even so, his cap hold's pretty big. It's already $18 million. The max will be about 25 next year. So you're really... For next season, they're looking at about $34 million if they don't add on any money that goes past this year. Subtract maybe $5 million of that for draft picks. So they're probably looking at around $30 million if they max him out now. Probably about $35, $36 million, uh, if they just wait to extend him. He'll, of course, still be a restricted free agent. At that point, you get about $7 million extra in space by waiting until then. And then even the next year as well, your core is still going to be cheap other than Embiid. There's really no one else who's going to be expensive except maybe Robert Covington you know that's another one who could eat into that number a little bit but if you get JJ Redick I don't want to go three years on him because you're now 2019 is your last chance before you got to pay Ben Simmons and basically your cap space is going to go away so my general plan would be let's get some stopgap veterans for the next two years and then when those guys are too old they'll come off the books and we'll have a chance to make one big free agent ad just as this core gets expensive like that's the timing that you want to be able to have to add a free agent just before all your good guys come off the rookie contracts i'm on board with that something we should talk about kind of around this time just because it's another use of cap space is the idea of renegotiating and extending robert covington so the way that works is you could give him a raise this we, we talked about this a little bit that didn't happen with george hill earlier in the show you can give him a raise for the 2017-18 season and then you can actually drop his salary by up to 20, 40% off that number for the for the subsequent years. And so in this case, what the Sixers could do is use some of that 50 million, 41 million to pay him a bunch of money now. So then he can be on a more reasonable contract moving forward. Derek Bodner and I, uh, when we did a Real Jam Radio episode together, we talked about the idea of throwing like 20 million at him and then trying to get a contract closer to 10 million a year after that. Yeah, because you can do that reduction. And then that doesn't help you get that much better this year 
here because he's the same guy and by the way they can give him just a regular extension that wouldn't kick in at all until next off season the most they could offer him there would be four for 39 they could offer him that basically on july 1st for new years on the end 39 million that to me is not enough to get it done if i'm robert covington as a guy who can hit some shots and, and really is emerging as a defensive player so and that's a question right is just in general what would you expect him to get like 16 17 18 million a year on the open market next summer yeah 17 is what years. i had in my head so that you could go there i haven't looked too far at the free agent market next year he will be unrestricted if he hits free agency so there aren't many wings his age his talent that actually hit the open market so there could be value there but again i think that the idea of upside and also this is going to be a big year for him in terms of securing it because he was way better defensively in my opinion last year but then his shot wasn't there and so if he can ever put this together then maybe he ratchets that value up another couple degrees yeah he's also coming off uh what is termed minor although i never trust the sixers on that one i just asked jaleel okafor minor arthroscopic knee surgery so there's be some incentive to lock in at at age 26 as well but if you think he's going to get you know 70 million in new money next year which i think is completely realistic assuming he continues to play the way he has so if you give him 20 million this year and then now you're going to go you're that'll get you basically to that 40 percent reduction which is the most you can do from the 20 million this year so now you're maybe at like 12 5 for the remaining four years so that gets you to basically 70 million in new money that might be kind of what i'd be holding out for for him i am guessing it but then you know you take a little bit of a discount there because you're getting your money now and you're locking in now for a a very long time so that's so and i consider i do think the idea of using your cat space now when it's not as valuable to lock him in on a cheap deal for longer is a good idea and even if you do that you still got 20 million to go and get yourself kind of a short-term shooting guard and so maybe your offer to jj reddick is you know two years 40 million something like that uh you know two years 45 million you can still fit that in with the Covington renegotiating extension one issue though with the renegotiation extension is you can't do it until the three-year anniversary of when he signed which was in november uh and uh so if you're gonna just hold this money open until november and then he doesn't do it now you basically have just kind of i mean i guess you can just take well, on you come some to an contracts agreement. again and stuff yeah right right yeah, but you just right. come to an understanding i mean you, you yeah you can't consummate it but you can figure it out i mean that's that's kind of a hallmark in the nba but let's talk about some of the other guys that they can go after theoretically sure. with this allotment and so you can think yeah. of it and, and reddick of- is not a perfect fit because defensively i think like a, a reddick faults backcourt is going to get murdered right yeah that that's definitely a concern and so if you're looking at the free agent market i think that this year it's maybe somebody like kyle corver cj miles maybe ben mclemore though i don't know how much better ben mclemore is than some of the guys they already have in house and we should mention god yeah Furkan him and Korkmaz. nick stauskas him and nick stauskas on the same team again would be funny <laughs> and stauskas i actually think stauskas now with all this offensive firepower they're gonna have i mean i think like he at least has shown last year that he can start making some open threes so he might actually be a little bit more valuable he's still utterly flammable defensively but yeah the, uh, the, full, the full stauskas defense is going to be pretty spectacular early on but but you, you can make that work and again i don't think the sixers have to kill it this season unless they spend a lot you know so if those sorts of things are issues they can make it work yeah, Tim Hardaway Jr. might be another guy they could look at in restricted free agency. But again, he would be someone you look at later in the process just to the fact that you can't actually start the clock ticking on those offers until July 6th. You mentioned Corver, a return to Philadelphia for him, CJ Miles. 
Tony Snell, maybe they could look at in restricted free agency. I think he would be a very solid fit for them as well. Not quite the level of shooter that you would absolutely want, you know, in terms of volume. I mean, you really want a guy that you're just like, we cannot leave this dude because they're going to be pinched for shooting for sure. Even though, even when you consider that Embiid can shoot threes, you don't want him out there too much. Simmons, a total non-shooter. I don't expect Fultz to be hitting NBA threes early in his career. Um, Another idea that I had too uh, on our group chat that probably isn't going to work, but I wanted to throw out there is the idea of a sign and trade for Contavious Caldwell Pope with the Pistons. You have to imagine that the Pistons would match any offer for him and that any offer for him would have to be for the max, which would be four years and 108.6 million since he's in the uh, zero to six year experience level. 25% of the cap is what that would start at. But the Pistons you'd think would probably match that, but maybe they're kind of gritting the, their teeth and matching it. Maybe they're like, all right, you know, this is an overpay for him. I know we need him, but, you know, I don't feel that great about it. So maybe, you know, Philly, if you uh, throw in an asset or two, you can take him at the max instead. Uh, I don't know that I would see that from them, be the Pistons, because, you know, what are they going to do to replace them? And this is a, a year that Sam Van Gundy has to show some improvement. Uh, but they do have tax issues and KCP, they could say, all right, he's not worth that. So, but I think he's such a good fit for philly that you know i would very seriously consider doing that if the price weren't too high the sixers also have a couple of different ways that they could sweeten that beyond young talent that's actually good so yeah. dario sarge would be an interesting they could one throw in like tlc and in, into that trade or right or court well cause. and then the other one gerald henderson would be a, a nice little short-term play there they could just put him in that in that trade detroit would start him at the two and the other thing that the sixers can do is they can take on salary they could take on boban if they wanted to he has two more years so then that times up age-wise so you could balance that out they could do a couple different things it it gets complicated in terms of the overall salary math for the Sixers but they can also they have a a bunch of second round picks they could throw those in they have a future first from OKC maybe there are a lot of different ways if 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 Stan Van Gundy is amenable to it that could totally happen I just think that he might not he might just say no and there are situations Danny H can speak to this where you think of something that makes sense and the other team just goes nah we're good the number of wing athletes who can switch on this team is pretty. I mean, they got yeah. Anderson, they got Gerald Henderson. I mean, those guys are both pretty jacked. Like they can switch onto fours, most of them, like no problem. Uh, and those guys aren't even starting for them, probably. You know, maybe Henderson starts the two, although you're really going to be impacted for shooting there. And then the other guy we haven't mentioned, I think, especially now that you have another dynamic player with the ball in his hands and you just need more shooting. I think that Dario Saric, to me, his value would never is never going to be higher. I would be looking looking to try and move him at this point and I'm not sure what you could get whether it's a draft pick whether it's he could be included in a deal for someone like like KCP or someone else who, who's under contract maybe like you know uh, if like you know a Danny Green or Wes Matthews or or I mean I oh, would have one trade for Sarge you. for those yeah what Ronnie Hood if Hayward leaves you get Sarge for three team controlled years because he's still on that rookie scale deal he plays the four next to Rudy Gobert and of course they throw in other stuff but I think that that could be the foundation yeah that's not bad I I, I like that one okay that you know you would have to calibrate the value one way or another there probably Sarge I'm guessing his value is higher than Hood's. I don't think it should be. I mean, because that's I'm not as much of a believer in Sarge because he's just I don't think he's ever. But they could overpay for Hood. Like with what they have, I think he's a wonderful fit on ball, off ball. Can can run through a lot of stuff. He's also bigger. Like he's six eight, and so I I don't think of him as a guy who can defend fours at all. But you could. I I think that would be a, a really nice fit. 
Yeah, so, I mean, if they wanted to get someone this year, you know, like a Danny Green, Wes Matthews only has one more year left on his contract. Amazingly, what time flies, Wilson Chandler, they could you could maybe try and uh, trade for someone like that. Uh, I'm not saying you necessarily would throw Sarich into that for someone who's older and only has one year left on his deal, but it's... It, there are definitely guys who I think could be good because the market in 2018, I mean, maybe that's what you're doing is you're signing those guys in 2018. Actually, yeah, that's what I had in my notes. I totally misread it. Yeah, so like Avery Bradley, Danny Green, Wes Matthews, Wilson Chandler, Lou Williams, I think could actually be you know a good fit off the bench for this team to give some efficient scoring. Uh, but those are guys you could go after in 2018 free agency if you don't spend all your money in 2017 free agency. But you know, there's no guarantee you're going to get those guys. So that's a uh, that's a question um i think uh malik beasley could be someone that they could look at too you know maybe like sarich could play be like the combo forward of the future in denver uh it's just like sarich it's just not that great of a fit to me like he's not a great shooter and i don't think he can be efficient enough on the ball where you know he's just going to kind of back down a lot and like you know try to get a switch and and it just he seems like such a good stats bad team kind of guy to me how do you feel about alan crab yeah the, uh, also acquiring an asset for the blazers i've got a whole list of guys here that i thought if you're going to trade for a vet who's under contract might be a good guy to try and get but yeah crab obviously is a negative asset in terms of his salary also has a 15 percent trade bonus too which is Ooh, unbelievable uh good job so, by but, his agent yeah yeah uh and how glad are the nets that like the blazers matched uh, on that one and the, t- the tyler johnson one uh tyler johnson actually would be an interesting one uh for them to maybe get you know he would fall into that category you were talking about of like guard ones play off the ball on offense uh he can stroke threes at times yeah i think uh someone in a shorter term wayne ellington if miami rather than you know wants to use that space for him he's not guaranteed for next year but if they wanted to try and pick him up that would be good Uh, i mentioned malik beasley Will Barton could be another guy they could use probably one more score if they trade away Sarge. Again, these are guys who have one more year left on their deal. Marco Bellinelli, maybe as well. Um, and some of these guys too, remember, they could get them and then they could renegotiate and extend them too if, if they had enough space left. Maybe Courtney Lee from the Knicks, if the Knicks want to try and open up a little bit more space this offseason, although he's probably a slightly negative value on his deal. Um, another guy to throw into the mix, maybe Alex Abrinas from OKC. Those two organizations have uh, worked together on trades before. I think Abrinas uh, could be pretty good and he'll be a restricted free agent in two more years, making only like $6 million a year. Uh, Eric Gordon I have one, I have would be an unbelievable fit. Yeah, Norman Powell. Yeah, that, that one wouldn't be bad. He'd be a restricted free agent as well. And, uh, you know, you, if you traded like Gerald Henderson and, you know, another pick for him, maybe, uh, you know, because they've still got plenty of picks. There are definitely plenty of options here. And I don't know that necessarily spending. My big thing, though, is that unless the guy is young, do not go more than two years. That's like my big edict here. I mean, they have a lot of things they can do uh, here that I think would be pretty decent. But that would be my one thing is like, you know, if you're going to get 33 year old JJ Reddick, two year deal. Completely agreed. And it, it's so sad that we've gone this long and basically not mentioned oh my Julia Lokafor. Julia Lokafor, the, the forgotten man. He is still has two more years on his rookie scale 
NFL contract and is just, he's an afterthought. They have Joel Embiid. He looks like he's the future as the starter. Rashawn Holmes has outperformed Okafor as the backup five. Those guys, I think, have the same duration of contract. But if Holmes, if he gets that fourth year, then he's not going to be, he'll be unrestricted. So Okafor doesn't really make sense in the short term if those two guys stay healthy. But the center market, stop me if you heard this before, the center market is oversaturated. He does bring something different, though, because he's cost controlled for a couple of years and then he has restricted free agency. I racked my brain trying to find a team that would want him right now. Just even paying him the amount that he's making, which is like, you know, six million a year for the next two years, something like that, as the number three pick. He Remember, he averaged 17 points a game on good efficiency as a rookie. <laughs> remember those days? days i mean and i do think that his value is unfairly low right now just because he still all last year struggled with this knee thing and i think he still can be like a pretty dominant score um and i i've got more hope for him defensively than some people do but uh you know not very much anymore i thought that maybe i and this is just we're just trying to find a team that like hey we could use this guy as not even talking about like what his value would be right brooklyn if they you know they don't really have anything at center other than Brooke Lopez, who could get moved this year, though, once again, the center market has, is impacted. So maybe he won't get moved and maybe they could re-sign him. He seems to really like being in Brooklyn. Uh, maybe Milwaukee would have a use for him if Greg Monroe opted out as kind of a, a more offensive center type, just in a similar role to what Monroe had last year, though Monroe is worlds ahead of Okafor defensively. Okafor could get to his level in theory. Phoenix doesn't really have a center. Alex Len is a restricted free agent. God, have you ever heard less buzz about like a former number five pick and restricted free agency than Alex Len, by the way. God. Uh, so Phoenix doesn't really have a center. Maybe. And, and I still think that like San Antonio would be like a really good fit for him. But, you know, they would have to kind of strike out in free agency first because they wouldn't want to take on his salary. And I was, I thought even maybe if like as part of like a tr- sign and trade for John Simmons, but Simmons probably isn't a good enough shooter really for what Philly is looking for either. So well, and, and I, I think they're great. hoping Justin Anderson can be that lottery ticket because if they're going to pay Covington, Maybe they're not going to pay Covington, but if they're going to pay him, I have a couple other ones that I think could make some sense. Atlanta, if they have kind of cap space to burn as a backup for Dwight Howard, we don't know if they're going to get Muscala back. Yeah, and it sounds like Millsap could leave now, as we talked about earlier this week. So Miami, yeah, they, they could maybe use him. Got Okafor and Dwight Howard on the same team would be amusing. Miami, Utah, both those teams are good. They just don't have real backup fives on their roster, and so he's cost controlled for a couple of years. They could they could consider it. You talked about Chicago, I believe Chicago. I think is, is a logical fit well, well so what you're saying I mean there's no team I mean maybe Phoenix would be the only one of those that I mentioned that would bring him in as a starter right now and so you're trading for a backup center second round pick like is like there if some team had a late first to burn i don't think phoenix or, or just a, another player i mean it, let's uh, let's say you're phoenix who might you be willing to move to get jaleel okafor Oof. yeah i don't think i don't think god i love tj warren so much um yeah tj warren is worth more than okafor i know i know i, I just try to think about what an overall yeah i mean i think a second round pick and maybe like Derek, maybe like Derek jones jr something like that that? Yeah, or if they wanted to dump Brandon Knight. Oh, sweet Jesus. Onto Philly, you get back Okafor, and then you also throw in, you know, a pretty high price. But I don't, I mean, their picks are all too good, right? I mean, maybe. Right. That's why maybe I think Utah actually it, makes some sense. Yeah. Maybe if my, 
Miami signs Gordon Hayward, then that 2018 Miami pick doesn't look so hot. So maybe that's what goes back. As a, as you can see, this is enough time to spend on this. It's fucking hard to find a spot for the guy. And and keeping him is not the end of the world. I think he's no. going to look better playing in the pick and roll with someone who can actually dribble some other threats. He'll he can prove that he's healthy. There will there are going to be minutes for him. You have to imagine Embiid is not going to be like playing 35 minutes a game every night, given his health issues. Oh, they do I have, have Rashawn Holmes. You. Yeah. The Lakers. I just don't. Tr- I mean, I like Zubac, but if they added him in for that low of a cost, I think that would be a worthwhile gamble for them. What, you just trade Zubac for Okafor? No, I'm talking about like maybe the Rockets pick or just something in that realm. They have. They have yeah, I, but they, LA can't take on any more money, though. They'd well, have to they send for, back. If they trade for Paul George, they can. They'd have to say, send back uh, Corey Brewer, probably. And Brewer Whee! comes off the books in 2018. I mean, they're the Lakers, if they want to have space for Paul George, they got to either move Dang or Mozgov, or they've. They've got a, a non-tender Julius Randle. Don't give him a qualifying offer. Or they could trade Jordan Clarkson. Yeah, but man, this Philly team has a lot of a lot of pieces and a lot of options. But to me, I would be all over moving Dario Saric right now because he's just going to not play that much next year. I mean, I guess the the other thing too is like you got to kind of wait and see whether Ben Simmons is actually going to be healthy and good too. Maybe that's part of this equation. Yeah, I would probably wait a little bit unless somebody makes a, a completely ridiculous offer. Which, knowing the way the NBA is, Saric might win Rookie of the Year. So that might leave we've already seen a, a rookie of the year get traded from <laughs> from philadelphia for way too much so you never know if it's going to happen again all right uh, anything else to say about philly before we wrap it up here no nothing about philly but i'll quick promo my real gym radio is going to come out right around the same time this comes out with tim kawakami we talked about the warriors title and kind of where this is all going from here and also compared it to the Shaq kobe lakers because that was a team he actually covered tim has th- said in his column that he thought andre Iguodala might resign for between eight and 12 million a year and that they we talked about it stay under the oh you and he talked about it mm-hmm. all right well i won't spoil that then uh well no he it was I already was... in a column before that we we were we reacted right. to well his okay column. i mean that, that seemed absurdly low to me but and, and that the warriors might like stay under the apron somehow this year which i also uh i'm skeptical of, but we'll see uh i mean if they can get andre to agree to that like more power to them that would be fantastic for the organization but i mean i think like if andre wants it i think he could get 60 million in guaranteed money out there somewhere I guess if it were like four for 48, that starts to get close though. Four is a lot of years. All right, I'm rambling. Uh, Don't forget about our sponsors today. Harry's, harrys.com slash Capspace. You can get their free starter kit. Just cover the shipping for $3. Harry's.com slash Capspace. And Movement Watches, mvmtwatches.com slash Capspace is that URL to get started with them. Also, a promo, my Sports Illustrated offseason preview for the Sixers is coming out on Monday. I rewrote it all on Sunday because I had to so it'll come out on monday awesome all right uh talk to y'all soon we got a ton of awesome coverage coming up the rest of the week with the draft upon us at bet 365 we don't do ordinary we believe that every sport should be epic every basket every game every point every play from the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line whatever the sport whatever the moment it's never ordinary at bet 365 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.